guys. Welcome back to another episode of Horror, Wine, and Crime with KK and Lo. Hey. How's it going, Lo? Going well. Today we are back with part two of the Tina Talbot story. And if you guys did not listen last week, um, you need to go back and listen to the incredible part one Tina tells us her story, and today we just get even deeper into it, um, so definitely get ready because it's going to be another amazing episode. It's going to be full of details. Some of them may be hard to hear. Um, just putting on a disclaimer, it's not a pretty story, but it's definitely a survivor story and an important one that needs to be told. Definitely. So, um... On that note, let's just jump right back into Tina's story. What was like shortly after I met her, her and I clicked so quickly and so easily. Um, I remember her coming in, it's 90 in Michigan, and she's got a long sleeve shirt on and like kind of like a higher neck and you're like, that's odd. It's 90. And she remember just, I, I'm... I was observing and she was just not walking right, not moving correctly. So I observed for a little while and then I, I sat next to her so I'd hear some of the phone calls come in. Tina's a very happy-go-lucky person, very jovial, light, airy, wouldn't her fly. And then the calls would come in and boom, totally different Tina and you're like, hmm, I didn't know who was on the phone. but. I remember saying something to her like, I know what's going on. I can see it. You're safe with me. You can say something. And she didn't for a while. And then every now and then she'd say a few little things. And then I remember saying, you can live with me. I'll make sure you're, my husband, you won't, she won't, you won't get past my husband. I can promise you that. I mean, my house has more ammo than yeah. you could shake a stick at. But he started out with doing a lot of things that you would not see you know you'd cover it with clothes so he'd hit me in the back or he'd punch me in the ribs or in the stomach or he threw me down the stairs once and so my whole backside was like rug burned and bruised and you know but it's covered with clothes Mm -hmm. but then as time went on his anger got worse and worse and worse and he it was harder to control him so he didn't care at that point. That's when he started giving me black eyes and breaking my nose and stuff. And then, um, you know, I'd have bruises on my arms and, you know, all down my legs and just, and I'd have, you know, choke marks around my neck and stuff. And or your voice sounded different. Yeah. Like it does now. Mm. Well, I, yeah, your voice started sounding different. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would tell me, get the ice out, put the ice pack on it. And I tell him, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to work like this. And he's like, and he'd go off to the store and he'd come home with like a big bag of makeup and stuff and throw it at me and be like, cover it up. You're not going to work like that. I'm like, no, I'm going just like this. (laughs) I guess it was my way of standing up to him because I'm like, no, they're going to see exactly what happened. You know, and I wouldn't tell anybody what was happening, but I'd tell them enough without coming right out and saying it. Like I told my boss 
at the credit union, I said, Christy, I said, if I ever do not show up to work, I said, something's happened. I said, and you need to call the police because I would not not show up. I wouldn't. The girl I mean, would get awards for never missing a day. I did have perfect work. attendance every year. <laughs> Seriously. And that was even yes. with all my injuries. I still had perfect yes. attendance. And you'd be like, hmm. I'd just show up with a cast and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. It would I, be weird. I didn't did tell that. her, you know, what was happening, but I just, she knew enough that it's like, she knew that if I didn't show up to work, that there was something that went down at home and she should call. Yeah. You know, well, and have a welfare check or something. You knew Wellness. that people at the credit union select people knew. Yeah, they had sneaking suspicions. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I just came in with injuries all the time. I mean, it was just like... And even HR, the representative yeah. from HR, she's like, we knew, Tina. You know, there's no way you could... She's like, you can't be that clumsy. No. You know? And some of the things that, you know, you would say just... Yeah. You know, and it... It wasn't feasible. To well, somebody would say something, and I'd be like, time. "You're better off not asking. Just don't ask." It's gonna be hard to. That's your place of work. You know? Yeah. And then you have to show all your peers. You know, basically advertising that home life is terrible. Yeah. You, know, you don't want people to think that about you. Most people try to keep. You know, so you got to face all mm-hmm. of the people that you love at work and try to keep that strong, happy face, knowing that they probably know. Which she did it's very hard. well. It was very hard to juggle not bringing home into work. You know? But you did a fantastic job because I to did. the lay person that didn't know you as well as I did or a couple that were close to you, you wouldn't notice it because she can flip it very fast. And you said he'd go up to your work. So I can't imagine every time he walks to the door, your heart's probably be like, What's he going to do? What's he going to say? How's he going to embarrass me today? Yes. You know? Yes. And then he gets to leave and you got to fin. You have to stay. This is your work, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I have to deal with that. You know, here I am in the front of the class trying to train, you know, 10 tellers. And it's like, and he's blowing up my phone. And I'm like, okay, let's take a bathroom break, you know? And then I go in the closet and I'm like, why are you blowing up my phone? When I call you, you pick up that phone. I said, what do you not understand? I lecture. I can't pick up a phone call in the middle of a lecture, (laughs) you know? And he gets so angry with me and he's like, well, I need to know where this is and this is and this is. I said, oh my gosh, that's why you're blowing up my phone in the middle of my lecture? Like you need to know where a snowsuit is? It's in the front closet, you know? I mean, it's like, ah, you know, it's like. And you're making the money, so if he messes up your job, you guys have no income. That's why I said, I said, do you want me to lose my job? Because at the rate I'm going, you know, it's like, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You had a very understanding boss, you know, because some people would have been like, you're too much. Like, figure it out and then come back, you know? Yeah. So it's good that you had a work support system, too. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. If you, if you get to know her, if you don't like Tina, there's probably something wrong with you. (laughs) Because it's... She's just a wonderful person. And she's good at what she does. She's a good teacher. She's she's very good at what she does. And she's wasn't so work-focused that it was just so in the box. She's mm-hmm. added hu- you know, humanity to it. So she wasn't just corporate, corporate, corporate. You know, she was a person. Right. So that's why I say if you didn't like her, 
there's something wrong with you. And yeah. you do your job so well, no one, because like, I got to imagine while you're at work, you're thinking, he's home with my baby. So you're probably thinking of your child all day, like, like what is he doing? Like I know. I worried about that a lot. And, and still stay focused at work. Like, yes. That's, that's a struggle. Yeah. I worried because, you know, it's like, I knew his patience was not good. You know, I mean, it's like he'd fly off the handle on me super easy. And I'm like, and I couldn't even imagine, like, if Philip's having a day where it's like, you know, he doesn't want to eat or he's crying, you know, it's like how he's going to react to that, you know. And, but I just, I always like to assume the best case scenario and maybe that's, not the best thing I should have done, but I, I kept thinking he would never hurt Philip. You know, I mean, it's like Philip's just an innocent baby, and it's his kid, and it's like you know, and I'm assuming the best, you know, just not to have to worry all the time. But I remember um, one time I had to get home so fast because he's like, I'm going to the gym tonight, and I'm meeting the guys there, and you know, you better hurry up home. Well, I was running late. Um, somebody, you know, I had to balance people out and get people out of the training and stuff. And um, I was running late and I got a ticket. I got a speeding ticket, you know. So um, I made it home. And, of course, he was, you know, you know, and I didn't say anything about the speeding ticket because I knew if I admitted to the speeding ticket, I don't know what he'd do. He'd get physical, you know. And so I said, I'll figure out a way. I'll just pay it. It's like, you know, buy myself out of the points, whatever I need to do. And he'll be none the wiser, you know. And I went to court for it. And they said, okay, well, we'll get you for impeding traffic. It won't be on your insurance. Because that's when they were, you know, reporting your um, stuff on the insurance. And uh, I said, okay. Great, you know, so I borrowed the money from somebody and I had to pay him back and um, and I never had any money of my own. I wasn't allowed access to money. He did all the banking. My stuff was direct deposited and he paid all the bills. So how I was going to make that money back, I ended up selling like jewelry and all my old coins. I had collectible coins that I've been saving since I was a kid and I ended up having to trade those in for money because I had to pay this person back, you know. And my insurance renewal came. And guess what was on there? My speeding ticket. Oh, yeah. And he beat me with a belt. I had 20 lashes. If I cried out, he'd start over. And I remember biting on something to keep from crying out because I did not want him to start over. I did not want him to start over. And he wasn't gentle, you know. And... After he was done, he's like, why didn't you tell me? I said, because I was afraid of what you would do. He goes, well, you ended up getting beat anyways. He said, so whether it was when you did it or whether it's now, he's like, it would have been the same punishment. So he's like, but now it's worse because you covered it up. You didn't tell me, you know. And it was just, yeah. It was crazy. So that's just kind of a little bit of background information about him, yeah. you know, but it kind of got bad. You know, um, Philip was in early intervention because he was showing signs of autism. 
I asked Milo if we could please get him enrolled in something. I said, I think there's a problem. My nephew's autistic. I said, I see signs. I said, he'd qualify for a lot of stuff. Can I have, you know, him checked? So we, no, there's nothing wrong with that kid. He's just being stubborn. He just doesn't want to talk. You know, it's like, you're not doing any of that. I don't want anybody knowing anything about this household because as soon as you sign up for that stuff, then they start asking probing questions and then they come into your home and they want to do this and they want to do that. And I'm like, okay. So I got them into early intervention at least at Waterford Schools and would you believe he got us kicked out of Waterford Schools? My son got kicked out of school because of his dad. Yeah. What did he do? He wanted to sit in the classroom and see how they were teaching Philip. Oh, because he might have some pointers. And then he made me sit in there on my day off and write notes because he was going to check my notes. And then he was going to go back there the next day and sit there again. Well, he was disrupting school. And they asked that he not come back and sit in the class. And he said that he was a parent, it was within his right to sit in the class and watch what they were doing and how they were teaching his child. So they sent a letter to the home. It said, you are no longer welcome on school property. Um, you'll drive your child in, you'll drop him at the curb, we will come and get him and we'll take him to the classroom. And then they sent me the same letter because they said, well, you're the mother and you're not allowed either. And I'm like, well, why me? I didn't do anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was kind of confused by all that. But anyways, um, so he insisted on taking him to school. The next week, he tried to take him to the school. And they had the Waterford Police Department there, standing guard at the school. The school was on lockdown. All the parents were like, why is the school on lockdown? Is there a bomb threat? You know, it was bad. And he would call me every day, and he's like, I'm taking him to school today. He's like, have the bail money ready. You know, and I'm like, well, I really don't want to bail you out. Maybe I'll leave you just sit in there if you get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, this man, he just, and he recorded the whole thing, so I have it. It's still on my phone. Um, all his altercations with the police department, where they said if he tried to enter the building, they would arrest him. You know, so that went on um, for about a week. And then finally, he didn't try to take them anymore. And then they just basically unenrolled them at Waterford Schools. So I had to homeschool them. On top of everything else, I was now homeschooling. <laughs> Every day I was homeschooling. <laughs> and on weekends. And he just, he was a bully. He was a bully. I mean, there's no better way of putting it. Anybody who was weaker than him that he could possibly pick on, he bullied, you know. And my neighbor over here, he's blind legally. He'd see him at the gym. He chest bumped him and tried to knock him over, you know, because they got into an altercation about a tree that needed to be taken down in the backyard. So, um, you know, he got into an altercation with, another neighbor's husband and said he was going to come back and get his gun and shoot him. You know, he got into an altercation with the lady down the road because he let Philip wander off and the kid was going to cross the road. So the woman stopped him and said, Hey, where's your dad or your mom? You know, 
And of course, Philip doesn't talk. And so she called the police and CPS and they showed up and he went down there and finally found Philip and screamed at him because they, they had him behind the house. And she said, he was going to walk out on the road. And he said, well, you should have let him. And he grabbed Philip by the hair and pulled him home that way. And then the police showed up, CPS showed up. I'm at work. I'm oblivious to all of it. I have no idea what's going on. And, um, yeah, so then he went out and threatened the woman because the police and CPS showed up. And then the woman's mother came down here and basically threatened to shoot him because he threatened to hurt her daughter and her grandchildren and he chased her around with a gun in my front yard. All recorded. Chased her around. He was going to take her down, make a citizen's arrest. And, yeah. So, all the neighbors, yeah, they didn't really have nice things to say about him. You know? Well, in the end of it, though, like, after, you know, everything happened, at least you had that. They were kind of like... Can verify you, like you know, yes. he was not yeah. a good person. Yes, you know, you know, he let his son walk away, and he threatened me, and threatened me. So it's kind of a blessing in the skies, I guess. Yeah. You know that people could say, like, no, she she didn't have it great there. You know. Yeah, it's funny because you know people would get on there and make comments after this was going on and stuff, and you know they started my my page, and and people would get on there and they live in the subdivision or they taught my son. And they're like, we were afraid of him. Like, he was not a nice man. It's like, you know, he threatened us before, you know. And people in the sub even, they're like, he was not nice. Like, I almost gotten into an altercation with him. They'd say, but Tina and Philip were so nice. They'd come walking every day. And, you know, and I'm like, well, thank goodness they thought I was nice. You know? Right. <laughs> well, they just probably saw it, saw it for what it was. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were super person. friendly. Yeah. And it's like, and we'd be just walking every day with our dog. And, you know, we'd say hi to people. And Philip would go up and hug them. And, you know, so, um, yeah, but he was never pleasant. Yeah. You know, I remember one time we all went as a family walking and took the dog and stuff. And... I took doggy bags to pick up the dog poo. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, the dog goes to the bathroom. I got to pick it up. You're not doing that. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're not carrying that back to the house. I said, I got to pick up the dog poo. He's like, no, let him just go in the yard. You know? And <laughs> I was just Neighbors like, love that. Yeah. yeah, that's her favorite right. thing. Yeah, they really did. Oh my God, if I forget one, I'm like praying, that you, please, Phoebe, hold it till we get home. Please, yeah. hold, please don't make me be that person, please. <laughs> yeah, he just, he had to have control over every aspect, you know. I mean, I remember one time we had a snowstorm. It was a blizzard. And he goes, take Philip and the dog walking. I said, what? I said, what do you mean? I can't even see out there. It's coming down so hard. And he's like, that doesn't mean you don't get your walk in. Go. I need a break from you all. You know? He goes, like, oh, do your six so miles. So we bundle up. Oh. You can't even get, like, the roads haven't been plowed. The sidewalks aren't clear. 
We're in our boots. My dog is covered in snow and, you know, icicles. And she's like freezing. And I have to pick her up at some point and put her in my coat. And people are like trying to get down this road that's covered. And I could just see him looking at us going, what are you doing out in this, you know? Because again, I didn't say no. I couldn't say no. Yeah. You know? Okay, so things really just started to get bad, 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 bad. And he was just like, I'm tired of this. You know, it's like he spent too much time with this child. It's like I never wanted this child. It's like, you know. Um, and he started he started threatening to hurt Philip. Whether he hurt Philip up until that time, I did not know. Because I was working, you know, and I did not see signs of it because Philip is a boy. He likes to climb his climber and jump down and he get a bruise on his knee and stuff, you know. So it's like I didn't really think. I'd look. Every day I'd look. There was one day where he did have a spot around his neck. I said, what is uh, on his neck? What's going on there? He goes, well, he almost walked in front of a car backing out of the, the driveway. He's like, so I grabbed him by his hood when we were walking. You know, which, okay, not the best situation, but yeah, okay. So that was the only thing I ever saw. But he started threatening to hurt him if he did not talk. Because he was convinced in his mind that no son of his would be disabled. He would not have a handicap. So he's just choosing not to talk. And he said, you're going to sit there for hours and you're going to try to get this kid to talk. And I'm like, okay. Um, so I'd be like, I'd be going through books and I'd be like, look, Philip, bird, bird. Form the word, bird. Look at mama's mouth, bird. You know, we'd say this like for hours. And finally he got fed up because he'd stand at the top of the stairs and listen, you know. And finally he got fed up and he comes downstairs. He said, you tell that child that if he doesn't say bird, you're going to hurt him. I said, I'm not telling him that. So then he gets up in Philip's face. And Philip's just a little guy, you know? I mean, just a little guy. And he gets up in his face and he says, he goes, if you don't say a word for dad, he says, I'm going to pull your hair. You know? And I'm like, don't do this, you know? And he's like, no, he's going to talk. He's going to talk. Maybe your son is like you, where it's like, He's not going to do it right until he feels pain, you know? And I'm like, ah. And then finally there came a point where he's like, you're going to quit work. I said, I can't quit work. You know, it's like, we need insurance. We need money. Yeah. Like, I have to pay for this house, you know? It's like, how am I going to do this if I quit? He goes, well, you're going to take a leave. So um, the weekend before everything happened, he said he had to go to the mall and get some tennis shoes. So Philip and I and him went to the mall and in the middle of finish line, he's looking at shoes. He, um, I was on my phone, you know, somebody had texted me and I was like responding to a text and he got angry. He goes, what are you doing on your phone? You know, I said, somebody shot me a text. I was responding to the text message. He's like, stay off your phone. Give me your phone. I said, why do you need my phone? Well, he grabbed my phone, and then he threw my phone across the store, and then he hit me in the middle of the store. 
And how somebody didn't see that, or if they did, they didn't jump in there, but he hit me in the middle of the store, like smack across the face, broke my phone, and stormed off, like just walked off. And Philip's just out wandering around because he's just marched off and I have to catch up with Philip, you know. And I'm like, where are you going? He's like, we're going home, you know. And I'm like, okay. So we get in the car and he's like, you know, you're on that phone too much. I said, well, people text me. Like, I would give my personal number to people that I trained and stuff, you Mm -hmm. know. So it's like people would text me from training and be like, hey, listen, like, you know, I'm going to be late tomorrow to training and stuff. I'm I'm, I'm getting texts, you know. And they're not all like purely social texts. And he's like, you know, you're on that phone too much and I'm sick of it. And, you know, and I said, well, you broke my phone. He goes, and you're not getting another phone. He's like, you're not getting another one, you know. And we got home and beat me so bad that day that, and this is something that he did not do, but rarely did he do it. He felt guilty about what he did. Because he said he was overreacting and he felt bad. And so he was going to take me shopping and charge up his credit card. So he took me to Macy's, bought me a bunch of dresses in a size two, which I will never fit in. And they still have tags on them, (laughs) you know, and bought me all kinds of shoes and a watch and really nice stuff. And then um, we came home. And he proceeded to hang it in the closet and told me I wasn't allowed to wear it. Until I earned the right to wear it. It was going to sit there. And if I never wore it, that was my fault. So, and then the Sunday night before everything happened, he said, I'm not watching Philip tomorrow. He goes, you better get him enrolled in school and you better take time off of work. He said, I'm done. He said, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, but I'm not watching that that boy. So they called me on Monday and told me I had to go to a branch to work. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't. I said, I have nobody to stay with Philip. I said, I have to come in and talk to you guys at HR because I have no childcare. I said, because Milo is refusing to watch his son. I said, so I have no one, you know? And I said, I can't bring him to work with me, (laughs) you know? And so I went into HR and I sat down with them and I said, listen, can I have 30 days? I said, I can get them enrolled in school. You know, it's like that way I can work around his schedule, school schedule. I said, but I have no help at home. I said, and I'm kind of in a bind right now. And they said, yeah, you can have 30 days. If you're not back after 30 days, then we can't promise you your job. You know, you will still be employed with us. But you might not be a trainer at that point. Which is totally illegal, by the way. You get 12 weeks FMLA. That's completely illegal. Mm. So I came home and I had Philip with me. And he was screaming at me from upstairs, asking me where I'd been. And I said, well, I went to work and asked for some time off. And he's like, okay, good good you know and um yeah that was the week everything happened um that was the week that um everything happened so I was now off of work 
and it it didn't get any better um because then he wanted uh i don't know i don't know what was wrong with him at that point it's just he was on um he was on steroids he was taking illegal steroids which he would get sent from the ukraine czechoslovakia so he was spending my money and wiring it over there and then they were sending these back and he'd sit there for days hoping that it would make it through customs so he was overindulging in um, steroids and the ones that he was on they were a synthetic mix and they had side effects and I was reading through the side effects and it's like psychosis uh, um, hallucinations all kinds of stuff and I told him, I said, I don't want you to take this stuff. I said, you're already bad enough. I said, these symptoms are not good for you, you know? And he's like, no. He goes, they make me big. They puff me up. They give me muscles. He's like, when I walk into a room, everybody spreads out. They don't want to, you know, it parts like the Red Sea. Like, he loved that, you know? And um, he's like, so no, I'm not going to stop taking them. You know, so he was overindulging. Let's just put it that way. He was taking a lot more than what was recommended. And so he was quick to anger. He was also taking these pills, too, for low testosterone. And they were almost like an estrogen. So they would make him kind of like sensitive or more sensitive, you know. Well, he threw the bottle away. And I remember him saying, I'm not taking these anymore. He's like... These are my, um, these are my empathy pills. And he goes, I feel no empathy anymore. He goes, so now you're really in trouble, you know? And yeah, so that was kind of the start of it. Um, Tuesday, Tuesday was when he started beating me because my, my friend texted and said, you know, I haven't heard from you in a while. Are you okay? Are you doing okay? Well, he had it up on his iPad where it's like if somebody like texted me he would see the text mm -hmm. so he got angry because somebody was checking up on me and the person said that you know Milo was a deadbeat and you overwork and you do too much and it's like and then he got angry with me because he's like you know what kind of conversation are you having with this person who is this person you know and I'm like you know this person. I've been talking to this person for years. I've known him ever since college. It's like, you know. And he started chasing me around the house with the gun. And I ended up on the love seat. And he picked up a weight, a free weight, a round weight. And he picked up a wooden chair, a child's chair. And he's like, I'm going to hit you with one of these. You know, and I'm like, don't, you know. And he put the weight down. But he took the chair and he started beating me with the chair, with the wooden chair over my back and my whole back area and my legs and stuff. Cause I was kind of in a fetal position mm -hmm. and I was trying to get him to stop hitting me because he was just like hitting me nonstop. And I put my arm up like this and he broke it over my arm and the whole arm collapsed and the bone popped through and oh, I was just a mess and I'm crying and Thank goodness Philip is sleeping through all this, you know. And I'm crying. I'm crying. And he says, and he picks up the gun, 
and he says, go to the kitchen. And he gets behind me and he's holding the gun on me. And he says, sit at the table. The table was over here at the time. He says, sit down. He puts the gun on the counter. He proceeds to take an entire bottle of wine and he opens it. And he takes out one of the glasses, it's a water glass, and he fills the entire thing. And he hands it to me. He says, drink this. I said, why am I drinking this? He says, because you're gonna go to the hospital, to the emergency room, and you're gonna tell them you fell because you were drinking. I said, okay. And he goes, and you better make it believable because I'll be sitting out in the car waiting for you. And I'll have Philip. And he says, so if you say anything to anybody, I have Philip. Just remember that. I said, okay. So he took me to emergency. Um, he had Philip in the back, and I was in the front with him. And I got in there, and I went through the whole questions. You know, how did this happen? I said, well, I've been drinking. You could probably smell it. You know, I fell over the chair. And <clears throat> I said, so, and they said, okay, we'll take you to the back. We'll get x-rays, and, you know, you're going to have to see a surgeon. I said, okay, I realize that, you know. And before I went in, Milo had given me his phone. And he had an old phone. It was like a flip phone. And he goes, um, call me or text me from my phone and let me know you're done. And he goes, we're going to sit in the parking lot and I'll come back around and pick you up. And he goes, but don't let the phone die because I changed the passcode. Like I knew his code, you know, he had the same code all along, but he changed the passcode on his phone. I said, okay. So I'm sitting in there and I'm like scrolling through Facebook, anything to keep the phone active because I don't want it to die. She comes in, she does the x-ray. She's like, yeah, your arm is shattered. She's like, you got to have surgery. I'm like, okay. You know, and she's like, this is the phone number. You know, it's like, take this blanket with you because it was a warm blanket and I was freezing. I was in a t-shirt and something else. And, uh, She's like, take this blanket with you, you know, and uh, is your ride here? I said, yeah, I'm texting him right now, you know. And she's like, okay, you know, you're free to go. Well, he was underneath the overhang. It was at the DMC here in Valley. And I didn't even think about this when I was walking out there. But now it's like, I'm like, why didn't I even think about this? Um, I got in the car and he put the seatbelt on me. And as he's doing it, he's so angry and he's so aggressive. And he looks at me and he goes, who do you talk to? Who are your friends? I said, what do you mean? He's like, are you talking to men? Like, are you seeing men? You know, are you seeing men behind my back? You know, and he starts calling me a slut and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, no, you know, and, um, he punched me in the nose and I started bleeding like instantly all over the blanket, all over the shirt, all over the car. And he takes my head, takes me by my hair, takes my head and holds my head into his lap as he's like, you know, driving erratically. The whole thing is on video. They have the whole thing because yeah, my lawyer had it. Um, yeah. So, and in the meantime, 
I'm, I'm bleeding. He's driving crazy. I'm like, my head is down in his lap. I'm trying to reach the phone, which is like rolled on the floor over here because you can dial 911 even if it's locked, you know. And, and then it occurs to me, I'm like, where's Philip? He left Philip here at home, locked in the house by himself. And I get home and he's like, get out of the car. So I get out of the car and I'm walking in front of him. He's holding the gun on me again. And I come in the house and Philip's like sleepy coming down the stairs. And he's like, get upstairs and go to bed. And I'm like, I cannot believe you left him at home by himself. You know, this, this kid is like seven years old and he's autistic. And it's like, oh my God. And my nose is still bleeding. I was a mess. And um, anyway, so I, you know, Philip went back to bed, thankfully. I went up and I checked him, shut the door, come back downstairs, and he makes me sit at the table. <sighs> okay, so for like hours, he made me sit at that table, telling me that, you know, I'm worthless and, you know, he knows that I've been cheating on him and Philip's not his because, heaven forbid, he have a disabled child and, you know, I had to have been, you know, sleeping with somebody else and he was gonna, you know, torture me and kill me and then he told me, this is the first time he told me this, that he was gonna kill Philip in front of me, he was gonna slice his throat, he demonstrated, he's like, I'm gonna slice his throat from one ear to the other. Mm. And he's like, in front of you, and I'm just going to let you watch. And he's like, and then I'll take his blood and drip it all over you. And he's like, and then I'll kill you. And he goes, and guess what? Nobody's expecting you back to work for 30 days. So they're not even going to come look for you. Yeah. He's like, and I can have you write a suicide note, and I'll just hang you from the light. And he's like, or better yet, I'll just dump your body along the expressway, you and Philip. He's like, nobody will look for you. You know, and by the time they look for you or realize you're gone, I'll be long gone. You know, uh, it was just the mind games he was playing. I mean, it was just, he'd sit there for hours and then he goes, you're going to die. You're both going to die. He goes, Philip is worthless. He's not even worth the air he breathes. He's disabled. You know? That's what I said. That's why I said, I said, that child is beautiful. I said, I don't understand how you can say that about him. I said, I don't understand it, you know? And he goes, well, you know, and he was obsessed with Nazis and Nazi Germany. And he would say things like, well, you know, and the Nazis didn't think that you were worth anything. They'd put you to death if you, you know, couldn't be contributing to society how he put it and he's like oh and Tina I'm gonna pull your fingernails out with these wire cutters and he's like and pour salt on the wounds he's like the Nazis used to do that during World War II and he's like and how about waterboarding do you know what waterboarding is would you like to be waterboarded you know and I just sat there and I'm just like oh my god and then at some point he says to me just go to bed just go to bed well, I went upstairs and I climbed into bed with Philip. And I was awake all night long because I didn't trust him. 
yeah. I didn't trust him. I thought he was going to kill us, either one of us, or come in and suffocate us with a pillow or something. Didn't you take the dog, too? No, she was downstairs. Yeah, he hadn't gotten to the dog yet. Um, so then the next day, we weren't allowed to go anywhere. Like, I was basically a prisoner in my own home. We couldn't go anywhere. We went for walks together. We went for a six-mile walk. You know, here I am in a cast, walking. Everybody's like, what happened to you? You know, I have a black eye, my nose. <laughs> I'm a mess. He's like, she was in a car accident. I'm like, really? You know? And we come back to the house, and he decides he's not going to the gym. Because, you know, we might escape. We might make a run for it. So he's going to work out at home. And I'm going to work out with him. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not working out with you. I said, my arm is broken. I said, so how am I supposed to work out? You know, well, you can do squats. And I said, no, I'm not. You know, I'll keep Philip out of your hair. Well, he wanted something to eat. So I'm out here in the kitchen making him something to eat because he wants to eat something after his workout. And Philip evidently would not leave his weights alone. So he keeps telling him, Philip, don't touch my weight. Don't touch my weight. You know, and Philip is curious. He's a kid, you know, he's like, hmm. And he keeps like, yeah, and he thinks he's funny and he's being cute. Well, his dad didn't think it was funny. And he had a bad temper at that point, you know. And he picked him up by his shirt and he starts like, you know, don't touch my stuff. I told you not to touch my stuff. Well, Phillips, you know, let me down, let me down. And he fell to the floor and smacked his head on the floor. Instant concussion. Instant. This kid wanted to fall asleep right then and there. I get him up off the floor and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You gave him a concussion. I said, this child has a concussion. We have to take him to the hospital. He goes, no, you ruined it for him. He goes, you were just there last night with a broken arm. I said, you're not going to take him to ER. He said, so your ass better walk him around the house for the next hour and make sure he doesn't fall asleep. And I'm like, oh my God. So I got ice and I walked him and Philip just was crying and he just wanted to sleep. And I'm like, honey, you got to stay awake. You got to stay awake. We got to walk. We got to walk, you know, and I'm holding the ice on his head and he's crying because it's cold and, you know, and I'm like, you got to stay awake. You got to stay awake, buddy. You know, and he was okay after that. He couldn't eat. He threw up because his dad insisted me trying to feed him. I said, he's not going to want to eat. I said, he's probably nauseous from the um, concussion. He says, no, he's got to eat. He's got to be in the 99 percentile. He's got to be a big boy, you know. He was always obsessed with feeding that kid. And so I tried to give him food, but see, he wasn't feeding him regular food back then. He was feeding him protein shakes. And as soon as that hit the kid, instantly, projectile yeah. vomit, no, like everywhere. No boys, mac and cheese and chicken nuggets that are shipped with dinosaurs at the staple. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what Philip's eating now. Yeah, now dinosaur yes. nuggets. I've made chicken nuggets three times. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um. So yeah. So that was that. And so we were stuck in the house all the rest of the night. I was kind of, you know, trying to hold ice on Philip's head. He wasn't really wanting any of it. Um. You know, but then. I could finally safely put him down. He did have a knot on his head. Clearly, 
he had a concussion, you know, and he kept me up again that night. Uh, yeah, so what happened was he had me sitting at the table again, and he was at the end of the table, and I was over here. And he, again, was on this accusatory thing of, like, me having an affair, and he said, I'm going to kill you and fill up. And he said, the only way that you can save yourself and your son is if you write me a list of everybody that you've been with while you've been with me. I said, so am I to understand that it's like you won't kill us if I provide you with a list? And he's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I won't kill you. I said, okay. So I take a piece of paper and I'm writing names like crazy, you know, and <laughs> He says to me, he goes, okay, I need their phone numbers. I said, why do you need phone numbers? He goes, because I need to verify this information. I said, well, I don't have phone numbers. He goes, why don't you have phone numbers? I said, because these people don't exist. I said, this is my cousin. This is, I have no idea. I said, they're all fake. I said, I just put them on paper because you said you would not kill us. He said, why would you lie about something like that? I said, why would you say you would not kill us unless I wrote down names? I said, why would you say that? I said, what did you expect me to do? Did you really expect me not to write down names? I said, there's, there's, they're all fictitious. There are no phone numbers. And he walked over to the counter and the gun was on the table. It was right there. And I reached for it. But he caught me, and he's fast. He's a big guy, and he um, he caught me, and he threw me off the chair and onto the floor, and then he started wailing on me. He started kicking me, and um, he took a pill bottle, started beating on me with it. He was choking me out. He hit my head into the fridge. I was seeing stars. I really thought I was going to die. Because when he started choking me, everything started going dark. And then I was seeing stars. And I was like, I'm dying. I'm choking, you know. And um, he stopped all of a sudden. And I started to get lucid again and regain consciousness. And he goes, this is going to sound really awful. But he says, I'm aroused. I'm like, what? What? You know. <laughs> I'm still like coming out of being choked, you know, and he's like, I'm aroused. And I just lay there crumpled up. And basically at that point, he kind of scooped me up off the floor, bent me over and kind of had his way with me while I was like, I was, I'm still recovering. I mean, I was just, I was kind of, I just, at that point I was just like, yeah. So, you're how angry that makes me to hear that. Wow. And of course, we had to go walk in the next day, and you know he um, wanted to have sex every night. So I remember walking that day, and everything hurt. And he told me, he says, "You're working out tonight too, twice on the stairmaster." I said, "What? You know, I mean, everything was bruised. I hurt." I was like, I don't think I can do it. He goes, you will. He goes, you have another five pounds to lose. Da, 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 you know, it's like, if you want to get those dresses, you got to work out, you know? 
So I was on the Stairmaster and I remember him coming down, checking the Stairmaster and going, you're only on level five. You normally do level 15. I said, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I'm struggling to breathe. And he goes, I don't care. Crank it up, you know? So I cranked it to 10, but I didn't go any higher than that. I couldn't do any more. And then I came upstairs at night to go to bed. I was getting ready to climb into bed with Philip, and he's like, come in here. I said, what? He's like, I want to have sex again. And I'm like, I'm in no condition for that. And he's like, are you saying no to me? I said, no, but I can't breathe. Like, what do you want me to do? I can't breathe. And he goes, prop yourself up with a pillow. You'll be fine. So he proceeded to do that again. And then it was, it was the day of everything that happened here at the house. Um, we had errands to run and he was going to take us because of course, you know, he was watching our every move. So we went to Walmart and I had to go in and I had to get some money orders. Um, and then I came back out. He sat in the vehicle with, um, Philip and his gun and he had it out, had it across his lap and I climbed in and I handed him his money orders and he's like, you're going to die. You're going to die today. I said, what? You know? And he's like, you're going to die in this parking lot at Walmart. I said, what do you mean? And he starts, you know, beating me with the gun on my knee, on my leg, you know? And he's like, do you hear what I'm saying? You're going to die. I'm going to shoot you here in the parking lot. You and your son are going to die in this parking lot. The prime guy. I watched him go by with you. Oh, just, <laughs> I know that blue, that blue costume. Yeah. <laughs> or uniform. And I said, not here at Walmart. Like, I don't want to die. And I said, and not especially at a Walmart. I said, you know, people in here. I said, why, why do you want to kill us? You know, he's like, and you know, he's holding the gun on Philip. He's holding the gun on me. And he's like, you're going to die today. You know? I mean, he decided not to do it at Walmart, thank God, but, you know, he then had to go to the township because he had to pay the, the taxes. I mean, this happened on the 14th, they would do it on the 15th. This is how, how belligerent he is with everything, you know, he has to pay last minute, even though it's my money. So, we pull into the township, and again, he's got his gun, and he's going to take his gun in with him, you know. And he says to me, he turns around and he says, um, the police department's right over there. He goes, if you hustle, you can take Philip and you can make a run for it. He says, but if you don't make it up there by the time I get out and I get in the vehicle, he goes, you're dead. I'm going to kill you. You know, he's like, so if you want to take the chance, you know, I didn't move. I was in no condition to go up there. And plus, I was afraid that he was going to catch me if I tried it. And I had Philip, you know, I'm like, no, forget it. So I just sat in the van. And then we were supposed to go over to the court because he was suing the neighbors and, um, and file papers. And I said, are you going to the court? And he says, we're not going to need the court. I said, we're not. And he's like, no, after today, it's not going to matter. I said, why? He goes, because I told you, you're going to die today. He goes, did you think I was kidding? He goes, I'm not kidding. You're going to go home and you're going to die. And the whole way home, 
I'm just like, oh my God, what can I say? What can I do? Like, what can I do to get this man not to do this? You know? And I'm like, you don't want to do this. Like, why would you want to do this? And he's like, because I don't care anymore. Because I have nothing that I care about anymore. He goes, you know, yeah, you're going to go home and die. So we literally drove home the whole way home. I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know, I'm freaking out in my head. I'm like, what can I do? What can I say? What can I, how can I stop this? You know? And, um, he gets out of the car and again, he's behind us holding the gun on us, you know, and we walk into the house. Well, I immediately go into the bathroom because, um, I picked up his phone. He had set down, you know, and I'm like, I should be able to figure out his passcode. And I picked up his phone and I went to the bathroom and I shut the door and I'm going to the bathroom. And then, you know, I have the door kind of semi shut and stuff. And I hear him, I hear kind of like a click, like he set something down. And then I hear him grab the iPad and go out to Philip, who's in the living room. And he hands the iPad to Philip and he says, goodbye, son. And he hands him the iPad. Well, at that point, I was like, oh, that click was the gun. He set the gun down. And he always set the gun on top of the fridge. So I ran out here and I grabbed the gun on top of the fridge and um, ran back in the bathroom. And I had a plant in there and I put it under the plant. And he comes in the hallway and he's like, what, what, what the F are you doing? I said, I was trying to unlock the phone because I was trying to get pictures of my injuries. He's like, well, what do you need those for? Like, nobody's going to see him. Nobody cares. He goes, you know, you're going to be dead after today anyways. And um, he goes into the laundry room and he opens the door that leads out to the backyard. And I got the gun and I followed him out there. And he's like, you're worthless. Your son is worthless. You're a slut. He's like, you're going to die today. He goes... So, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to take that gun and you're going to shoot me, he says, or I'm going to take that gun from you and I'm going to run in and I'm going to shoot your son in front of you and then I'm going to turn it on you and shoot you. And he's like, and then I will sit here in my chair and wait for the police to show up. Then I will shoot at the police. He says, I might take one or two of them out before they kill me. He goes, but dying by cop, that's always been my dream you know and I'm like you don't want to do this and I'm pleading with him while holding the gun and I'm like you don't want to do this you don't want to do this he's like you got five seconds he's like and if you haven't pulled that trigger in five seconds he's like I'm gonna take that gun from you you know he starts counting one two three he's sitting in a lawn chair and he's sitting right outside the sliding glass door out there outside the addition I'm kitty corner back behind him holding the gun by the air conditioner and he starts counting and he's starting to stand up and I'm thinking in my mind, you know, it's like, what am I going to do, you know? And he looked away for a split second and when he started to stand, I knew, I knew he could get that gun away from me. I knew he could outrun me. He could outstretch me. I pulled the trigger and I pulled it twice because... I have done a fair amount of target shooting and I also went through Citizens Academy with Waterford Township and they always said you always fire twice 
and I did. I fired twice. Um, both shots were lethal. The first one did kill him instantly. Um, the second one would have killed him as well. The first one went in back here, the base of the neck, in the head, and then the other one went into his back. So he slumped in his chair. He died instantly. In my mind, I wasn't sure if he was dead or not, but I wanted to check on Philip. So I came back in here. I checked on Philip. I put the gun down. I got the phone and I immediately went outside and called 911. And that's when I told them that I had shot him and that they needed to send an ambulance. And she asked me, she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm okay, you know. I said, my son's inside, you know, and I said, you need to send an ambulance. I don't know if he's alive. I don't know if he's dead. I don't know, you know, and she's like, okay, hon, and I hung up with her, and the police came, and I just walked out front with my arms up. I mean, I know the drill, you know, <laughs> I've seen it on TV, just walk out with your arms up, and um, they immediately cuffed me. And um, took me to the car and put me in the car. And um, the whole time I was like, you know, is Philip okay? Make sure Philip's okay. You know, is my dog okay? Make sure my dog's okay. You know, um, they're like, who do we call? I said, please call my mom and dad. You know, and we hadn't been talking to my mom and dad for like, they hadn't seen Philip since he was six and a half months old. Because I was supposed to go over for a birthday party and Milo had told me, that I was not going, and he pulled a gun on me and forced me out of the house, and he was in here with Philip, and so I had to call my parents because I did have the phone and tell them that I was not going to be able to see them anymore because he was threatening to hurt Philip and me and them. So I hadn't talked to my parents in a long time, and so they said, okay, we'll get a hold of your parents, you know, what's their phone number? So I gave them the home phone because my parents still have a home phone. And I said, you know, can you find somebody to take my dog? You know, I said, I don't want her left here. And um, they're like, we'll find somebody, you know, we'll have somebody sit with your son. And I'm like, okay, you know. And then somebody, a detective came out to the car and he said, can I take pictures? I said, yeah. You know, so we took pictures, and those are the ones you see all over the place. And then um, they're like, okay, we're going to take you back to the department, Waterford Township, and um, we have to take a statement. So I went back there, and they started asking questions, and I Miranda'd because that's what you do. You Miranda, you know, and... Um, they brought in a uniform and told me to change and that they would come and get me and take me to the hospital to get checked out before they took me over to Oakland County. So they took me to the hospital. They took me in a back entrance. I was chained. I had feet chains on. I had arm chains on. I had a broken arm because he would not let me go back and get my surgery. So, And he had pulled off my... Um, temporary cast so um it was kind of awkward to get in there but I did and they took me in and of course all the officers came in and they started asking me questions and they said you know you're awful bruised up like what's going on and um the doctor comes in and starts asking me questions social worker comes in and starts asking me questions the doctor's like what's wrong with you I said well not only am I bruised up I said but I can't breathe 
I cannot breathe. I said, I can't get a deep breath if my life depended on it. He's like, okay, we're going to take you um, upstairs and we are um, going to do a CT scan and check you out. I'm like, okay. So they took me upstairs. They did their CT scan. They brought me back downstairs. I continued to talk to the social worker. Um, and then all of a sudden they come running in the room and they're like, you need to get up to ICU. You need to get up to ICU. You have like life threatening injuries. Like you could be dying, you know? And I'm like, what? You know? And they're like, yeah. So they rushed me up to ICU and evidently I had two collapsed lungs. I had a tear in my spleen from being kicked and beaten. And you like, were walking around it for a long time. Yeah. I had broken ribs. I had broken arm. I had a fractured sternum. Um, yeah. And I remember them asking me, they're like, how are you not dead? How are you not dead? They're like, any one of these injuries could have killed you. And they're like, and you're not dead. That's a pure adrenaline. I said, I had to, I had to stay alive. I had to protect Philip. I had to make sure nothing happened to that child because he did not deserve this. You know, and so that's probably the only thing that saved me, you know, and even the doctor is like, how did you lift the gun? Like, that's your broken arm. Like, it was like shattered. I have a plate right there. So I thought, well, I used two hands, but, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and then at that point I was in there for five days. I was known as like Jane Doe. Nobody was allowed up there because they weren't sure what was going to happen with his family and stuff. And um, my parents had no idea where I was. My mom called the police department and they said that I was fine. Um, but she didn't know I was in the hospital. The judge came into the hospital room. I was chained to the bed. Oh, and I that one. yeah, because they had to do their thing, you know. He deposed you right there? Yeah, they were right me in the hospital bed. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was not a good experience. Um, my lawyer came up there, the lawyer that my parents hired to talk to me. Um, then I went to Oakland County, and I just literally cried and slept. Cried and slept. And everybody was like, what are you in here for, you know? And then they saw it on the news, and they're like, oh, okay. So, because it was on the news. How so. long did you actually have to serve? I served 20 months. 20 months? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, after living the life you lived there, that's probably easy. That's probably cake there. Yeah. After what you survived here. Yeah, it was, um, I got out on bond, thankfully, and that was kind of nice. Because at first, they denied it. They denied it like twice and then they um, asked for it again and he wrote up a big long thing about you know I've never broken the law and I, my job is here and my child is here and my family's here and I'm not a runner and you know it's like all the reasons why they should grant me bail and they did my parents put their house up got bond money bail money and uh, got me out on bond I stayed with my friend Jan I stayed there for eight long months, and I got supervised visits with Philip. I was on a tether. I was not allowed to be out past midnight, and I had to plug in every night, 
I couldn't go outside of Oakland County. And oh. in the meantime, I was, um, I was stressing about potentially going to trial, you know, and what was going to happen, you know. I mean, it was, yeah, and, and I was getting stacks of discovery, like, sent to me, which was scary to go through. I mean, stacks of pictures and stacks of statements and all the things his mother had said and just terrible things, you know, and I was just like, oh, I would cry every day. Oh, my gosh. I would cry because I missed Philip. I would cry because I was so stressed out. You know, wondering what was going to happen, if I was going to go, you know, to prison, what was going to, what was going to go down, you know. And eventually, they came back with five years. That was their, they waited to the very last minute, too, because they were supposed to go to trial in March, and they waited until, like, late February with an offer. And their plea deal was five years. They came to my lawyer. And my lawyer's like, no, no, not good enough. You need to go back, you know. And he started pulling out all kinds of stuff that we had because I had sent him videos of my husband getting into altercations. I sent videos of um, beatings I had had where he had not found those pictures and erased them because I had a lot more on there, but he found them because it was his cloud, unfortunately. So... <laughs> He found them on there and erased a lot of them, but there was a few that he missed. So I sent him pictures of those. I sent him pictures of him at the shooting range, um, weightlifting, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I said, and also I brought to Jerry's attention, I said, you need to remind um, the prosecutor that she was going to press charges against him for running around chasing the neighbor with the gun, and she never did. And I said, had she possibly pressed charges then and, you know, put him away or given him time or something, this potentially may not have happened, you know? And I said, so please, you know, stress that too. And he said, okay, I'm going back, you know? So he went back and they put zero to 24 months was the offer. And it was a cops agreement, which meant that it was locked into that. But in the meantime, while all that was going on, you know, it's like I was being interviewed by a specialist on domestic violence. Um, she was doing up a report for my lawyer. She came from, um, her name is Holly Rosen. She works at MSU and she leads up the domestic violence. And um, she's actually usually for the prosecution. You know, she kind of weeds out, like, who's telling the truth, who mm -hmm. isn't, with, like, their abuse and stuff. But she came in and she did, like, a three-hour interview with me where I answered a lot of questions and she went through a lot of stuff and talked to me and everything. And we got a 60-something-page report back. Yeah, it was, it was quite a detailed report. Because, you know, with domestic violence, you cannot go in there. You can't pull an expert like her in there and have her explained explain um your mind she can go in there and she can say yes she was battered and usually when you're battered you suffer from this this and this but she can't explain it any further than that so she put this report together and um 
it was a very good report. It was very detailed and it told a lot. And uh, she said, I remember her doing this report and stopping about midway. And she's like, I have never had one person score so highly like he was for being abusive. Like he was everything that she like went through on this checklist, like everything. <laughs> I said, well, you know, that's what he was. I mean, he was, you know, and, uh, but, you know, and then I would talk about stuff and she's like, I can't even believe this, you know? And, um, I said, well, that was my life. You know, that's how it was. Okay, guys, that is now where we're going to wrap up part two of the three-part series. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed. I'm sure you did. Um, we have the final episode coming to you next week, so make sure that you definitely come back and tune in for that one because that one is going to be, you know, the closing chapter of the series and... Um, kind of Tina's final thoughts with everything. All right, guys. Thanks again for showing your support and sticking by. And please come back to hear the final chapter of Tina Renee. All right, guys. Stay creepy. You got to go. Bye. Bye.